Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast, where we lie between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. The time, now. The place, under what is essentially a blanket fort in Ben's garage. Two grown men broadcasting to a world that will never hear them. Two passionate geeks who are about to embark on a journey that will change their lives in ways they never could have imagined. For you see, they are broadcasting from the Twilight Zone. How, yeah. how did that sound? Was it okay? Yeah, it sounded awesome. Okay. That'd be cool. Hooray. I was afraid I was going too cheesy for a second, but I was like, eh, <laughs> what the fuck ever. I'm not I I'm I'm not gonna have a uh, a perfect Rod Serling impression, so it may as well be like a more of a Billy West Futurama, you know, creepy door <laughs> yeah. Rod Serling. The time, blah blah blah, the place, this and that. Yeah, I think it was Just good. Just my mic. Okay. Hey, good enough has always to me been good enough <laughs> um so how are you doing ben i'm doing well it's yeah. been a while since we recorded it has been a while um i guess the listener wouldn't know uh yeah, either I guess, way i guess we should keep that to ourselves huh? <laughs> we took a 10 month break now <laughs> um i mean as long as we're not missing release days then we are good yeah generally not i mean I th- it, we technically missed one Yes. But yeah. uh, that was because of editing, not because of recording. So, Ben, I hear we're talking Twilight Zone. Yeah, that is that is the rumor on the street. Yeah. That's what all the kids are saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of Twilight Zone. Yeah? Yeah. It's, uh, as I think I've mentioned before, I'm a big fan of, like, short story sci-fi literature. Yeah. Let's, and, let's uh, see if we can go without mentioning him. I don't think we can. I'm going to. I I'm, mean, I'm going to mention him once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can talk about him. Um, but uh but yeah, I'm a big fan of I like short stories in general. I, you know, you can just pack everything into a nice condensed little package and kind of cover something, cover a nice big concept quickly and uh The Twilight Zone is that for television. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and I love it. Yeah. So you can't uh, you can't have Twilight Zone without the legendary iconic. Yes. Oh yeah, iconic's perfect. I was I was gonna try to. You, what's that word? Un, unemittable. He he can't be emitted. Yeah. I, I, see, it's like it's, un, it's with an I. Oh, like Im, like unimitatable, except it's not um unimitatable. Yes. Yeah. Is 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 that a real thing? Because I feel like that's a real thing that they say unimitable or inimitable. And that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think you're correct enough to convince me. All right. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not unimi- not unimitatable. Yeah, I know that's not the word. Yeah. All right. Well, word of the day, calendar enthusiasts, email us at email at geeksplorationpodcast dot com. I'm I'm rusty. It's you know I I forgot our own uh, our own email address. Um. So yeah. Uh, the the man that we were speaking of <laughs> before I trailed off was, of course, Rod Serling. He was the main architect of uh, of Twilight Zone. If he did not exist, we 
absolutely unequivocally would not have had this fantastic piece of media. Yeah, he's the creator, the writer, the narrator. I mean, I think he wrote of the hundred. I think I saw that he of the hundred and fifty six original episodes, he wrote like ninety nine of them. That's insane. Yeah, like he was the Twilight Zone for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess a, a little history on Rod Serling. I'll keep it brief. Um, he was born uh, December twenty fifth. 1924 oh, in Christmas Syracuse, uh, Syracuse, New York. Yeah, right on Christmas. What a, what a jerk. What a Christmas gift to us all. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He grew up. He went to war. Came back. Went to school. Started writing for radio. Then uh, moved over to TV. Won his first Emmy in 1955 for a TV business drama called Patterns. And then uh, in 1959, he turned to the sci-fi fantasy genre with The Twilight Zone. From what I understand, he he had a history of uh, interest in stuff like charged political topics, um, racism, uh, equality. You know, the, the general interest in human nature. Yeah, human folly. Yes. Yeah, and I guess the censors were really on his ass when he was writing for TV because he really wanted to talk about you know a lot of the ills of society that at that point in TV they weren't that keen on airing any dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah, they were they were super uh, trying to censor or or revi- um, revise his scripts, and he was very much anti censorship and battled them, and it got him into some trouble on occasion. But um, you know, I I guess in the end he won. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's um, from from what I was reading, what uh, the way he won essentially because he wanted to talk about you know a lot of these topics in a contemporary light originally. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't want to do that. You know, they didn't want to talk about racism between, you know, white people and black people. So he, you know, kind of covertly could go in through the veil of sci-fi and fantasy and, you know, maybe touch on the topic of racism, but make it through, you know, people and some race that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Uh, Where he could still make all the same points, but um, not tip off the censors, I guess. Yeah. Not call them black people and white people. And yeah, totally just, just have separate drinking fountains. You know, you, you, you can do it in metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, something sci-fi has always been really good at and uh, yeah. TV had not been very good at it up until the point that uh, he decided to kind of co-opt sci-fi for his own means. Yep. Yeah, because in 1958 he did a uh, like a he did a one hour pilot for a show called The Time Element mm-hmm. that um, aired about a guy. It was like an, it was about an old dude that was um, pre World War II, and he had visions of the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and you know uh, it was very Twilight Zoney. Yeah, it was on CBS, and they liked it. But then they uh, they had some sort of idea for you know a serialized show of the of of that ilk called the twilight zone that they uh, said, Hey, how about you do this instead? And, uh, he basically did the same thing he was going to do with the other show. They just called it the twilight zone. Oh shit. So the, so the title actually came from CBS. As I understand it. Yes. That's, that's what it sounded like. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that, uh, that series ran from 1959 to 1964. We had five long seasons. Like you said, 156 episodes. 156 episodes. Yeah. Like you look at go on Netflix. It's on there right now. And like season one is like 36 episodes. You're like, holy shit. There was a lot of twilight zones. I did not realize that there was that many of them. Yeah. 
what's wild is when I was going through those, um, looking for just, just certain episodes to watch here and there, it was shocking to me how many episodes in, uh, in even just season one, I remember. And, and like, cause I, I, I was looking to, uh, to show my girlfriend some twilight zone. So she's like, what, what, what are your favorite episodes? What are the best ones? Did she never watch twilight zone? Not really. No. Oh, wow. She, she'd seen a couple episodes with me before, but you know, since we were doing research, you know, I was like, all right, I need to start watching a bunch of these. And I was going through season one and I was having a hard time deciding which ones to put on because they were all great. And I was like, which one is better than, than the other? Yeah. I had my kids picking them. Cause, yeah, because uh, yeah, I was like, so which ones do you want to watch? There's 156 of these things. Um, I'm not going to be able to watch them all. And uh, there was, you know, some of the ones that I already that really, you know, that I remembered pretty distinctly from a kid. I decided to pass up, or from not a kid being a kid, but from seeing previously, like the one, uh, what time enough to something where the guy time enough at last, time enough at last. Yeah, like you know, I remembered that one enough. I didn't need to rewatch it again. Where the guy is trying to get around to read all these books and he sits on his glasses and can't read. Yeah. It's uh it's Burgess Meredith. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. And, and he's a big book fan and he never has enough time to read and everybody's bugging the shit out of him. And then all of a sudden a nuclear Holocaust happens and he's like, Oh, this is great. I'm, everybody's dead. I can just read books, sits down, glasses drop and break. There was time. Yeah. That, that was, that's such a, such a great, I mean, it's it's iconic. The example of irony that uh, that the Twilight Zone mastered. You know, there there were certain things it did so well. The irony, um, the suspense, the uh, social commentary on human nature. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. On like I said, figuring out the the weaknesses of man and kind of just taking them down that you know, the logical conclusion, like, okay, what would happen if this thing happened? And what would happen if that thing happened? Yeah, absolutely. And the twist ending. Yes. Loads of little twists at the end. We would never have had M night Shyamalan if, uh, if it weren't for twilight zone. (laughs) Totally. Um, Uh, on a bit of a side note, did you see the new M night Shyamalan movie trailer? I've seen the trailers. Yeah. I haven't, I still haven't seen split. I want to see split. Um, even though I know where everything ends up because it leads into glass, but yeah. Yeah. I never saw split either, but, uh, it looked like it might actually be good. You know, like for, he might be coming back to his original form. It, it'd be nice. Cause you know, like unbreakable was really good. Like he, yeah. he made some really good movies and then it just kind of got trite. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. His gimmick ran dry. Once the trees were killing everybody. Yeah. It was just, it was a little much. Yeah, and you know it took it took forever for Kyle to convince me to watch uh, Lady in the Water, and I did not enjoy it. I never saw the village. the The twist sounded oh, like it would have been cool, but no, it, it just it, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, like you could tell he was coming up with the twist first. Yeah, and then building a story around it, and uh, that's not as interesting. Well, the the village, like conceptually. You know, being somebody who hasn't seen it sounds like it would have been an episode of The Twilight Zone. And it probably would have been a decent episode, you know, 25 minute episode yeah, yeah. of The Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> you stretch that shit over two hours and it's not as, you know, I don't know, it's just not as good. So Twilight Zone 1959 to 1964, five delicious, wonderful, fantastic seasons of television that for the most part was uh, gold. Almost all the time. Um, some of them are a little more sluggish. 
Some of them I noticed in season five start treading on on similar ground. Like I was watching, <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was watching one uh, yesterday or the day before where um, a dude gets a stopwatch that can stop time, and you know he's like he's a big talker. Shit, I can't remember the name of it. Oops, he's a bore, as uh, Rod Serling says, and he's always just blabbing, and people are super annoyed with him. Um, and he gets a, uh, a stopwatch that can stop time and he's trying to convince people. Nobody, you know, nobody believes that, that, that it's doing what it can do. He's like, fine. Well, you know, he, his whole thing is like, he wants to be somebody and, and nobody's giving him the chance. And of course, when time is stopped, the stopwatch breaks, ah, irony, you know, but it, it just sort of, it seemed like a, like a watered down version of uh, time enough at last. Yeah, well, towards the f- end of the run, CBS was like really on them about the budget and they had to make a lot of cuts. Oh, yeah. Um, because ratings had started to fall and uh, they were just spending too much on production. Like in season five, one of the episodes um, called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Oh, yeah. Was actually like they didn't even film it. It was a, it was a French short film that won like an Academy award and was big at cons. And Rod Sling said, well, that'd make a good twilight zone episode. So they just kind of recut it <laughs> and said, now it's an episode of the twilight zone. Yeah. I remember seeing that one as a kid and being really confused by it. Cause it was so much more like artsy fartsy and, and it, it, it just, it didn't, it didn't speak like a twilight zone episode. Yeah. Like the, the, the story was fairly twilight zoney. Yeah. But it didn't feel as much like a twilight because it wasn't. It was just like they kind of recut it together because it was cheaper than reshooting the a similar story. Yeah, yeah. But there, I mean, even within season one, there's some stuff that you know there there is a lot of reoccurring themes in the Twilight Zone. You know, a lot of uh, the idea of like getting what you want isn't all it's cracked up to be. I yeah, mean, I think that's probably the premise of. 10 or 15 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even in season one, there's the, on um, a nice place to visit where the guy, uh, the like uh, crook guy gets shot by the cops and, and he goes, uh, he goes to what he thinks is heaven where he gets anything he wants, anything he wants happens. And, you know, so he gets, but he gets real bored with the idea of, you know, every time he sits down at the roulette table, he wins. And, you know, anytime he wants a woman, he gets a woman. And anytime he wants a car, he gets, you know, every time he gets it, he wants anything, he gets it. And uh, he gets real bored with it and angry and then realizes that he's in hell. Ah. Yeah, And in the same one, the, the same season, they got the escape clause one where the guy makes a deal with the devil to, you know, where he can't die until he decides that he wants to die. And he immediately gets bored with life because he's like throwing himself under trains and jumping off buildings and trying to kill himself, drinking ammonia and shit. And uh, there's no thrill left in life because there's no risk. Kind of the same theme as the other one. And he ends up killing his wife and then like returning himself in because he's excited to get the electric chair, but they instead sentence him to life in prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one? Does he, does he shove his wife out a window? He put, well, he goes up to jump off the roof and she tries to stop and he pushes her off and he just oh. kind of like shrugs and he's like, okay. And he goes down and calls the police. I'm like, I just killed my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, wait, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was, was the actor in that, was that, uh, Fred Mertz from I love Lucy or am I thinking of a different episode? No, I don't think so. All right. I must be thinking of something. I've, I've seen enough of those over too many years to where if I haven't seen them very recently, they are going to start doing a a Ben Robinson thing and just sort of getting very vague to me. 
Oh yeah, that can be excused. I think that that is <laughs> there is a lot of uh, there's a bit of overlap there, and but they were both good story. Like I watched, I, you know, those were two of the ones I rewatched, and I was like, oh, this is kind of the same themes that other one I watched, but they were both still entertaining. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because in our adult years now, like once you realize the formula to Twilight Zone, like you can start predicting that stuff. But as a kid, I I didn't do that. Well, yeah, and I think also just where we are now. Like, I mean, I, I don't imagine my kids watched it, saw it the same as we did, and I'm sure we didn't see it the same as you know even adults when it was new did. Um, like a lot, someone who has never seen the Twilight Zone would kind of come back and look at it and be like, "Wow, that was pretty cliche." Like, oh, of course, uh, you know, of course he's going to get life in prison. Uh. But like when it was coming out, that wasn't cliche yet <laughs> I mean, this is the you know the early 60s since the twilight zone was such a cultural phenomenon and such had so much influence on so many other movies and films and other art that uh it yeah the stuff they did does now seem pretty cliched because it's been done so many times yeah absolutely and uh and and for its time too for you know the tv shows of the late 50s early 60s it is uh considerably more watchable like it's got a lot more nuance and variety than a lot of those shows like i like i love lucy and um you know the andy griffith show i enjoyed watching those when i was a kid too but uh they are really formulaic you know leave it to beaver like they're they run down the same path every single time um they're incredibly predictable and you know tv didn't have a whole lot of variety there and uh, with the Twilight Zone, it is something different every time. Sometimes you retread on themes and stuff, but it is a new story every time. And they were, you know, they had more, a lot more social commentary worked into them than anything else at the time did. And uh, just had a lot more meat on the bones. Yeah. Back then, it was almost like the productions were more like stage plays, you know, where they, they had their sets, they had their actors who... I'm certain for the most part were classically trained actors, you know, that that was just what was around back then. It wasn't um it wasn't about flash and pizzazz. You know, it was it was just very well written and well acted stories. And you know, all these guys are a bunch of character actors, so that's that's what made all of those things so compelling back then was that you got invested in the people there rather than what was going on around them. Yeah, and by by today's standards, you would almost think they're overacting for TV. Absolutely, but they're you know, but it, like you said, it sounds like a it's like a stage production, you know, where they're really delivering lines with chutzpah. Yeah, and <laughs> you know? and the, and they're they're doing it. I mean, I'm I'm not sure if they ran multicam productions back then or or how exactly they did it, but they are running through the scenes. They're not just you know doing a series of shots and pickups and stuff. You know, like though I'm certain those people ran through the entire scene or at least a, a segment that they knew was going to be all together, you know, like, so, so it, oh, yeah. it didn't feel choppy. It felt natural. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of the shots are continuous. Like, I mean, there's a lot of shots where, you know, if it's, especially if it's dialogue shots between two people where they, you know, the camera shows one guy come into the room, it all happens and it doesn't cut or do anything until the guy leaves the room. But yeah, and the, the sets were cool too, because they, they weren't always, like you could, they could get away with being a little bit more avant-garde on some of them mm -hmm. where they, you know, it didn't have to be a really realistic depiction of it. Um, I remember I, I was watching one, um, called the four of us are dying. where about a guy that can change his face. I just watched that last night. Yeah. And it's cool. Like he walks out onto the streets of New York and it's not like the streets of New York. It's got like all these neon signs, like floating randomly in the background to kind of 
just illustrate where he is without, you know, like there's like partial walls that have like doors in them, but there's not, you know, you could walk right around it. You know, it's obviously a set. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just meant to say, you know, here's a depiction of this flashy club filled CD part of New York. Yeah. Just like kind of crowded and haphazard, yeah. you know, even, even though it's just like a, like a little eight by 10 section of wall or whatever, yeah. you know, they, they're, they're just like, this represents that except it, it kept having that weird pause on the hotel sign. Yeah. I saw that. I think that was probably because they panned down and didn't actually stop on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so after in post, they were like, well, shit, I guess we just, just freeze the frame there and it's kind of blurry cause it was moving. <laughs> That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. On the hotel real. So beyond the original series, um, there was a, there was a revival in the mid eighties in 1985 ran to 1989. There was the movie in 1983. Uh, there was another revival in 2002 and they're poised to make another revival. So I'm not sure exactly how much you want to go in on this. I, I kind of approach this as as if this was going to be an episode for the original series. Well, it, it almost has to be because honestly, I don't remember ever watching any of the other ones. Yeah. Um, I don't, I didn't even know that one was made in the two thousands, um, which might've contributed to its failure. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, or it was really bad. Maybe both. Well, yeah, it only ran for one season and it had Forrest Whitaker doing the narration in the oh, beginning. I like Forrest Whitaker. I mean, I would probably rather hear uh, James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah he's got a voice for it <laughs> yeah uh but uh you know you can't always afford james earl jones no and you know i i went ahead and watched just one quick episode of the uh of the 80s series just to sort of see what it was all about because most of the most of the ratings that people give or the reviews are not bad you know people just say for the most part they say it's a worthy successor maybe it's a little tame but that might also be, you know, a sign of the times that back then what you could do, you know, it was shocking. Like you were saying, with the passage of time, people interpret those sorts of things differently. So all of a sudden it's not it's not as easy to be shocking. You know, people see it coming. Well, and, and like I said, it's social commentary. So a lot of it's topical and may or may not apply that much now. The, the topics get dated now stuff like, you know, the way men treat women and stuff, which they didn't really touch much on in the original series, other than the fact that it was done in the fifties. And so they treat them like men in the fifties treat women. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, in the eighties you could do, a, you know, some social commentary on, you know, actually commenting on that and, you know, this stuff's the, the topics that matter to people change over time too the, the whole threat of nuclear war. Like that's really heavy in the original Twilight Zone series. And it's just people don't take that nearly as seriously as they did then. Like it was a legitimate fear people had in the 60s. Yeah. And a lot of the episodes back then dealt with nuclear war and oh, the fallout. Yeah. yeah. Because it was it was a hot topic. Yeah. This episode I watched, it was really bizarre that it had it had Morgan Freeman in it. Really? Yeah. Playing one of the main roles. It had some awesome. um, another older gentleman character actor that you would absolutely know his face for one reason or another. I cannot come up with anything else he's done, but you, you would know his face. Um, then I also had, uh, because I don't know his name and I just watched the episode before recording Jerry Seinfeld's dad in, uh, in Seinfeld, whatever oh, the actor yeah. was that played um, him that played Morty. Yeah. Isn't that Ben Stiller's dad? No, that was George's dad on Seinfeld. Oh, oh, yeah. Who's Jerry? I got he had those bushy eyebrows, kind of, kind of chunky, 
always wearing wearing a like a button up like Hawaiian shirt, kind of loud. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, oh, and then uh, <laughs> I'm terrible with names, apparently, or at least for this episode, because everybody is a recognizable actor. And but it, it's these guys. It was an episode episode called Dealer's Choice, and these guys are having a poker night. And uh, without giving too much away, it turns out they're playing cards with the devil. And he's there to collect one of their souls. And um, it was really interesting because at first, you know, when like, like they, they figure out they're playing the devil because he keeps getting three sixes in his, in his poker hands. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Are you kidding me? Like, this is what the Twilight Zone has turned into? And then it turned out that that wasn't actually the focus of the episode. So I was like, all right. And, and by the end of the episode, I ended up really enjoying it. Like, I kind of want to go and do a deep dive on the, uh, on the 80s series now. Um, just hearing that it was good and then having a positive first experience. You know, and they got names like, like Morgan Freeman in there. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, you know, and I, I am sure I've seen it because uh, I first encountered the Twilight Zone uh, watching it, oh, the old reruns on um, Sci-Fi Channel. Pretty sure it was Sci-Fi Channel when I was a kid. And I could only imagine that they would have also picked up all the reruns from the 80s one as well. I know before I saw, ever saw the Twilight Zone, I was First introduced to, I guess, the genre of the Twilight Zone created by The Outer Limits. Ah, Like, that was what I saw first. Yeah, and didn't know that it was a cheap knockoff of The Twilight Zone. And definitely saw that on the Sci-Fi Channel. But uh, my first experience with it was seeing the, you know, the old reruns on the, sci-fi, on the Sci-Fi Channel when I was a kid and uh, enjoying it. Yeah, do you, do you have a earliest memory of any certain episodes? Um, yeah, I distinctly remember uh, an episode called Eye of the Beholder, you know, the one with oh, the, uh, the pig face people oh, yeah. wearing the masks and mm-hmm. take them off at the end and realize that they're all pig face people. Um, yeah, so I, 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 that one stuck out to me distinctly. Um, I also remember the, the time enough to read or whatever that one was called. <laughs> yeah, time enough to said, read. He said it right. Time enough at last. At last, yes. That one, and, and, but the, yeah, the pig face one definitely stuck with me over the years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, similarly, again, I'll bring up our, our good friend Preston, where I experienced so much, uh, so much media as a kid, whether it was horror movies or <clears throat> Nintendo or making movies. Um, that was where I had my first exposure to Twilight Zone. His dad showed it to us. And the first episode he showed us was Eye of the Beholder. And I remember being kind of bored because it was just a bunch of people, you know, standing around a lady in a bandage face, you know, talking about how they're going to try to operate and make her not so ugly anymore. And I couldn't understand why why Preston's dad was so excited to be showing <laughs> us this. You, you know, he's just like, you got to watch, you got to watch. Blah, blah. Like, yeah, leave me alone about it. And then, you know, in the end, when, when the big reveal happens, like it, it just like flipped a switch in my brain, like the, the ironic and creepy ending, like instantly made sense to me. And, and, and it started my love for the series. You know, it it was just like, oh, I get it. Like that moment when she comes out gorgeous and you're just like, oh, what? And then she looks in the mirror and screams. Yeah. And like, and the doctor's like, oh no, it's so horrifying. And then you see all their pig faces like it, oh, I it it made so much sense. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the it, for kids, my kids sat through them and they seemed to kind of enjoy them, but they weren't super thrilled on them because uh, they are really dialogue heavy. Like mm-hmm. most of the episodes do involve two people ta- just talking to each other a lot of the time. 
Oh, yeah. And there's some that, even for me, being a fan of the series, are a little much. Yeah, I was watching um, I was watching one the other day. Um, I don't remember the title, but it's uh, about that guy with the glasses that make his, makes his eyes look all beady, and he's calling like employers to tell them that that somebody who's working for them is a uh, is a communist, and he needs to fire or they need to fire them, and he's he's uh, on a crusade to root root uh, root all evil out. And it, there was just way too much of him talking. I got so bored by it, and the the big shocker ending was easy to see although i'm i'm sure i've seen the episode before so i I guess that's not fair but um yeah sometimes it's just too much i'm like i don't want to hear this guy talk anymore which is probably how people feel about me right about now (laughs) well i'll save them by talking a bunch instead yeah um i mean 156 episodes they're not all going to be gems um there was uh there was one called um what's it called Uh, cavender is coming have you seen that one Hmm. I don't know for certain. It struck me as where it was like, it had a laugh track and jokes, which was kind of weird. Oh, bizarre. Yeah. It was totally weird. It, it was a, a Rod Serling one. Um, it was about a, a, like an, uh, I think he was like an angel or something that kept trying to grant people's wishes, but fucking it up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was not very good. It was not very funny. It, like the, the, when the laugh track came in, like it wasn't, always obvious that that was a joke <laughs> it was pretty bad and it and it um I, I looked it up afterwards and uh turns out it was a a failed pilot that uh rod serling had done for a comedy series oh weird that uh like they you know they put it in front of like focus groups and stuff and everyone said yeah this sucks and they're like oh fuck all right and then kind of ended up sal- trying to salvage it as a twilight zone episode <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're not all gems but uh, i think overall great series yeah yeah absolutely like there there is a reason why i've always loved it and why when it popped up on sale on blu-ray i bought the whole series you know just to have i don't I, one of these days i would love to be familiar with the entire series and just be able to recall it you know automatically you're like cavender is coming I'm like oh yeah that one yeah um, but man there is a lot of content there That'd be quite the binge. Maybe I should just do that because for whatever reason, Netflix doesn't have season four. Yeah, I saw that. It's like, yeah, it's got one, two, three and five. Yeah. It's like, uh, like on that super tramp song. What is it? Uh, the logical song for some okay. reason. I in, know what you're talking about. Yeah. In that, in that breakdown when they're, you know, when they're doing the little do, 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 do. For some reason, the, the vocalist says one, two, three, five. Really? I never noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was just predicting Netflix's availability of the Twilight Zone in 2019. Yeah. Wh- whoever this guy is, like Horace P. Netflix, he is a big fan of Supertramp. So <laughs> no that, episode, no season fours. Yeah. If you got five seasons, fours out. Yeah. One, two, three, five. Um, so what's your one word review? I know you totally had this figured out for 100% certainty, this was the easiest thing in all of your notes to do. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, it, yeah, it was not. Um, but I ended up, uh, landed on one. I like, uh, I went with parable because so many of the stories are like we were saying, they're logical extensions of, you know, the, the folly of men, the failure of morality, you know, um, 
you know, with morals, not traditional like fable morals necessarily or biblical morals, but, you know, stuff about, you know, hey, getting what you want ain't all it's cracked up to be, um, you know, the very parabular, you know, the trouble with vanity and, you know, when man's ambition outpaces his his means or his morals and people freaking out and having terrible behavior in times of crisis that uh, turn out to not be so critical sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, um, uh, uh, geez, I can't remember what it was called. Of course the, um, an arrow shot to the sky or something like that. An arrow shot in the sky. Anyway, it's about, uh, the first manned mission into space. Um, which also of note is interesting because a lot, a lot of these space episodes, you know, aired before there was a, man shot into space yeah um because i think that happened in uh was it like 1961 is that when the first man went to space somewhere around there you know as much as i distrust your 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 memory i trust your knowledge of science i think think it was it was around it was it was not in 1959 that's for sure no and uh, this was a season one episode. So, um, but anyway, they, they, get, they shoot off, they lose them. You know, they, the folks on the ground have no idea where they went. They just disappeared and they wake up and they, you know, they're on a, you know, they're marooned on an asteroid. Most of them are dead. One guy kills the, kills one of them, then kills the other guy. Cause he's, you know, he's, you know, Oh yeah. You know, two men can survive for five days or one for 10 and he kills them. And then, he, okay, real quick. I got to stop you right there. Uh Oh, are we spoiling things? It's fucking 60 years old. But imagine if you are somebody who is just, for whatever reason, never, never experienced yeah, okay. Twilight Zone. Fair enough. Because I, I I actually meant to bring that up. Right. Uh, up and, then he, and then he dies. Yeah. <laughs> no. Then, well, I mean, I, I kind of figured, you know, if I was, if I was talking uh, in detail about an episode, it would be like, and then, you know, the shocking ending. Yeah. But yes, I know that episode. Like I, I didn't know it from the title, but once you started describing it, like that episode is so great. I wish I would have thought of that one to show Angelina. But but yeah, it's totally you know you're in a crisis. The the folly of being you know selfish and instead of working together as a team, you know taking out your team who you see as rivals because you know one man can survive for ten days when two men can survive for five. Yes. And, yeah, uh, there's one canteen of water and three people need to survive. Yeah. And he, or and, do they? And when he shoots the dude, he blows a hole in the canteen anyway. So it doesn't yeah. actually help him at all. Um, but yeah, st- stuff like that, you know, where it's parabolic, para, not yeah. parabolic. I know that. Yeah, that's um, weird because that is a word. But yeah, that's <laughs> not, not that word. I don't know. They are essentially sci-fi fables. Um, and there is, you know, there is definitely an undercurrent of moral tail in there and it was deliberate he was deliberately trying to point out these things and try and get people to see him and say you know oh mccarthyism that's kind of fucking stupid yeah oh we should care for each other and we should do this and it it was there it was just under the surface which is true for a lot of science fiction but uh it had not really been successfully translated to tv before that so yeah yeah it was just in books where you had to read it yeah yeah and Readings who, for nerds. Yeah, who's gonna go reading them them nerd space books? Yeah, we got talking pictures. Yeah. So what about you, John? What, what do you, if you had to boil it all down to one word? What um, would you have the the word. See, I was I was having trouble pinpointing it uh, because there there's there's so many different facets that that one could go at with this. So what I what I boiled it down to was shocking. 
You know, whether it was the the reveal of the woman's face in uh, Eye of the Beholder or Burgess Meredith's glasses at the end of uh, Time Enough at Last. Speaking of spoilers, how are you, you going to talk about this without <laughs> spoiling anything, Oh, John? no shit. <laughs> well, I guess we already did spoil that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one is so saturated in uh, pop culture that if you haven't seen that, then yeah, where have you been? Yeah, either one of those is, yeah, they're, they're quintessential Twilight Zone. Yes. Or... I'll just say the end of uh, of the very first episode. Where is everybody? You know the the ending always shocked me. Like I was I was always so wrapped up in what was happening that I wouldn't be thinking ahead. So it always caught me off guard. So I'm, I was watching uh, five characters in search of an exit. You know, there's a hobo, a clown, a ballerina, a bagpipe player. Um, and like a military dude. Yes. Straight out of central casting. Yes. Every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they're trapped in this huge cylinder this whole time. And they're, they're trying to, they're trying to find a way out. They're trying to figure out how they got there. And you know, that's another classic episode with an ending that I won't spoil. Um, but those things just like, they always caught me off guard. I, I nowadays when I watch it, like if I'm watching it with my girlfriend or when I would watch it with my parents, you know, years ago, They'd be sitting there like calling out and predicting the ending and it used to bug the shit out of me. Yeah. It's like, just, just keep it to yourself because I don't want to think about that. I really enjoy not knowing and not, not caring, you know, where it's going to end up. I just want to be, you know, I want to gasp. Yeah. Yeah. And the first one, the, the, in the first episode that you mentioned. Yeah. Where is everybody? Yeah. That one, the, the ending, like. I don't remember seeing that. Like I didn't have any memory of that one. And uh, the ending was like, as I was going through it, I was kind of thinking like, okay, maybe it's this, but and then something would happen. I go, no, it can't be that. And yeah. uh, it, that one definitely even now caught me off guard. I did not see that one coming. Yeah. And that, that one was the second episode I ever saw. Like I, I thought that that was the first. And then when I really started thinking about it, it was, I have the beholder, but that was another one where Preston's dad showed us. And that one really creeped me out just seeing the, the empty town and, and seeing, you know, like a, a burning cigarette or a stove that's still on. You're like, wait, what is going on here? And then like, like the, the, well, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, like I remember like, and I'm, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I think I just like, I would light the town on fire or something or like build a fire in the middle of the and be like, all right, people, you know, burn this town down. If someone doesn't come here. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's an excellent segue, Ben, because I've got a little, what if for you? All right. What if you found yourself in a world where nobody was around? How would you deal with it? Would you break down or have a Kevin McAllister moment and party it up? What would be on your list of things to do? Uh, I would definitely be creeped the fuck out. Uh, I'd probably, you know, enjoy the peace and quiet for a little bit. It depends on where I was. Like if I was at home, I might not even realize it for like a while. Yeah. Oh shit. I don't hear my kids. They'd be like, where did my wife, like, you know, if they like went to the store, it'd be like, you know, after four or five hours, I'd be like, okay, they should be coming back soon. And then I'd get worried. And then I'd go out to look for them after some amount of time and no one would be anywhere. Yeah. Then that would start freaking me. I think the thing that would freak me out the most about it is that I couldn't find my family. I think that would probably completely occupy, you know, the first week of my time. Yeah, <laughs> would be freaking out about that before I had any chance to enjoy it. Uh, but well, and it would it would be hard, I imagine, to keep hope of finding your family alive when there's nobody anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but if like uh, if it was like like in that episode where I was out somewhere and like came across the town and no one was fucking there, and uh, obviously didn't have you know a way to just drive out to the next town, 
it's, you know, now with like the internet and stuff, it'd be a bit different. You can pull out your phone and be like, okay, no one's posted anything to Reddit in the last <laughs> six hours. What the fuck? Yeah. You wouldn't just be like walking into diners and yelling for bacon and eggs and coffee yeah. and shit. <laughs> and what did he take? Like there was something, it looked like there was like water, but I, I guess it could have been coffee, but it was like, it was steaming like it was a teapot and he just like poured it into a glass and drank it. Yeah, I wonder. I like, what if, is he just drinking hot water? Well, I wonder if if there was like instant coffee in it or or oh, grounds in, in the cup in or the something. Cup maybe yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I saw an episode yesterday where dude just like opened up a coffee can and took a spoonful, put it in a cup, and then poured hot water on it. Yeah, I guess instant coffee was a thing then, huh? Yeah, or people were having some gritty ass coffee. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, they were you know back when men were men. Now, what about <laughs> back when men were men and sheep were scared? <laughs> um, now, what about once you come to terms with uh, with the fact that you're not finding your family and you are the last person on Earth? Do you have a nervous breakdown and just get sad or do you like what what would you do for fun? I don't know. I think I mean, at that point, I think surviving would be my main priority, just living. And I think it would take up most of my time. But, uh, well, there's lots of food reserves. There's, there's all sorts of general stores that are still stocked with cans for a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd probably, I don't know, knock things over and burn things down and blow (laughs) things up. (laughs) Sounds fun. (laughs) Um, but I imagine that would lose its luster after a while. Um, yeah. Once the town's gone, you know, I mean, I imagine power would go out fairly quickly with no one manning the, you know, means of production there. Oh, I should have thought of this. You, you are too. I'm way too practical for this. Yeah. Yeah. You're practical and you're logical. One, two, three, five. What about you, John? What's your, what kind of wacky answers do you get? (laughs) I would, I would probably just take it easy. I don't know. Just enjoy the peace and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Sit down to read a book. Exactly. Sit on your glasses. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or, or, you know, go to a neighborhood and find a house with a pool and just swim in it while I can or or one with a trampoline. Just jump around. I don't know. I mean, I would have to worry about insulin. So if I'm I'm going logical and practical about it, I'm probably not going to last very long at all. Because with the power going out, refrigeration goes out, insulin goes out in a month. Yeah, just get a bunch of ice and head north. Oh yeah, no shit. See that that's I'd I'd probably just give up and, like, and oh, oh, off myself. Dead. I guess I'm gonna then. die. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> well I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to die slowly and painfully. Here's one giant shot, and I'm out. Could you just like eat dog pancreases? Would that work? No, I don't think so. <laughs> or it's worth a shot. Yeah, if it if it would work, then the FDA hasn't told us because it's a cash cow. Diabetes. Well, I, I don't imagine it would be the most effective insulin delivery method, murdering dogs and cutting out their organs and eating them. Oh, but, yeah. Would dogs be around? Yeah, I'm sure dogs would be around. Shit to eat. No, but I mean, is, is it just people that oh, disappear? It, oh, 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 Or is it all living creatures? Oh, the, yeah. You're totally fucked then. Yeah. I mean. If it's all living creatures, you're going to feel real shitty too because your internal biome is going to be all fucked up oh yeah no kidding i didn't even think about that as far as eating you're not gonna you're not gonna get any meats is you better find those those uh those canned hams while you can yeah well and you're not gonna digest stuff very well and your shit's gonna be all wrong (laughs) like you've got you know you've got like four pounds of bacteria living in you right now that really kind of make your body work right 
Well, I think uh, we we summed up my answer. Then it's swimming pool, trampoline, Death. giant shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how about a how about a little little break? Let's yeah. have a, let's have a little commercial. Let's go to a little bathroom. Maybe eat a little food. Sounds good to me. All right, we will be right back, folks. Dreading a typical night on television. And you can enter the Twilight Zone. On video cassette only through the Columbia House Video Library. Examine your first cassette risk-free for 10 days. See why this remarkable series earned three Emmy Awards. Witness masterful performances by some of America's favorite stars like Jack Glugman. 10 years old again, Pip. How come you're 10 years old and again? And rediscover the genius of Twilight Zone's creator, Rod Serling. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. Now, it can be yours to enter whenever you like. Your first video cassette of four classic episodes is only four ninety-five. Call right. now Welcome to back, the ben. Twilight Zone on Glad video cassette. How was your break? House video library. Uh, Credit card orders only. Yeah, what'd you fill yourself with? Chicken patata? Yeah. Yes, your wife made us dinner and it was delicious yeah it was confusing there was no corn on it <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> i knew something was missing i mean i didn't miss it but i i anticipated it had that weird green salty corn all over the top of it <laughs> oh capers um so normally we have a segment which is our favorite use in pop culture do you have one i sure do Oh, all right. Good. Well, I don't know if it's pop culture for say, since this is such pop culture, you know, like, like the Twilight Zone's my favorite use of it in pop culture. Uh, um, uh, no, that is not it. Uh, my favorite use of it in, uh, I guess, it. I, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's pop culture, but uh, I'll tell you what my favorite non-Twilight Zone TV show use of the Twilight Zone is. Is that good enough? Yes. All right. It is uh, the Tower of Terror. Woo-wee. Yeah. At, uh, I'm going to concur with you on that. Oh, fuck yeah. It's an, it was awesome. First time I went on it was when I was like 16. And uh, it was fucking awesome. Like the line alone was, you know, like you didn't feel bored or anything. Like it was, you're winding through this like old hotel and it's got like holographic Rod Serling here and there and little things happening and he's narrating the whole trip through there it, it, it was fucking awesome yeah I've, I've never been to disney world i hear the ride was different that the 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 dropping system was different but yeah like the one at disney's california adventure the queue for the ride was so just in-depth and detailed and entertaining like you don't mind that you're standing there so much for for an hour uh, yeah. disneyland is the master of you know of that Making sure you have a pretty good time and making lines like like the Star Tours line. Yeah. Also oh, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. There was something about that where like, even though you're just, you're walking through essentially like a decrepit and old hotel lobby, there was something about it that invoked the feeling of mm-hmm. Twilight Zone. It, it was creepy. And, you know, they, they had those little screens that were, that were showing like the, the history of the hotel and um man like it it was it was so entertaining and like you said that simulation that they put together of Rod Serling for the for the ride intro like that that blew my mind because he'd been dead for i don't know 
25, 30 years by the, by that point. Long enough that it's hard to get him to act. Yes. Yeah. Now with the, with the dropping mechanism, because I've, because I've never been to Florida, how did it differ? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, cause I've been to the one in California too, but I mean, it was probably a decade apart. Yeah. So, uh, well, not quite a decade, but it was, it was a ways apart and, uh, they both seemed similar. I mean, like it goes way up and then drops down and comes up and like little window opens. Okay. So it does do the back and forth in Florida. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. For some reason, I think I just had it in my head that it was one big drop and I don't know why. Oh no, fuck that. No, that, yeah, that wouldn't be nearly as cool. No, it, it, it's like an elevator. So it's going up and, you know, to different floors and goes up and down and the door opens and on, I think it's on the top one, it opens and you actually see out into the park instead oh, of yeah. all the other cool shit. I mean, it, I don't remember a big difference between the two, but, um, uh, again, it was years apart. So, oh man, see, I would encourage people to, um, to go onto YouTube and just, just watch some of the, some of the old ride through, you know, some of the Q uh, videos. There's, there's some videos that are on like the secret history of, uh, I think it was like Harrison Hightower, the, this character who was the owner of the, of the hotel and you know, what happened there. It was, uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, it was really, it, it, it was a good ride and they, they changed it though. I hear I've not been to Disneyland in quite some time, but I hear that it is no longer Twilight Zone themed. It is no longer Twilight Zone themed. I went to Disneyland uh, about a year and a half ago, and it's now Guardians of the Galaxy, like Ugh. Mission Breakout. And why would you go on an elevator for the Guardians of the Galaxy? You're in like you're. I think you're in the collector's place, or maybe I don't know. There, there's some sort of prison aspect. You're breaking people out, Mission Breakout, or whatever it is. And, um, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm torn because the ride is really well done. Yeah. They've got a rocket animatronic, um, in the, in the whole elevator seat, or I mean the sequence where, where Rod Serling would be talking to you Yeah, in that little library thing. But I can't help but look around and be disappointed because everything is still the same. It's just got a, got a new facade on, you know, just a new coat of paint. That is now Guardians of the Galaxy. Whereas I can look at that at the whole lobby area and be like, oh yeah, like I remember what this looked like as Twilight Zone. You know, the the library now looks it it, it looks almost the same. It's just kind of got chunks of metal and lights and stuff around. So so now it's sci-fi. Hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's well done. But I miss Twilight Zone. When we get that time machine, we are yeah. definitely taking a trip um, to some parks to go go ride that again. Yeah, it was a super fun ride. And I remember, uh, I remember distinctly going on it because I went on it with my family and I was sitting next to my mother and, uh, like on the, on the way up, it like pauses and, uh, it was like halfway up. I let out the most atrocious fart. Uh, I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was awful. And, uh, it was, it, it, and my mom like looks back at me and it like looks at me and I'm, uh, you know, I'm laughing. Of yeah, course. of course. Yeah. And that, uh, that is exactly what you do. Cause, Cause I can smell it and I'm like, Oh, oh, oh <laughs> no. And, uh, and she looks at me with just needles in her eyes and, uh, Oh, and, I can imagine that look. I can see it. I can see your mom's face with that look. Oh yeah. And then, and then we drop and go back up. And as we go back up, we pass through it again. <laughs> It was awesome. <laughs> the gift they kept on giving. <laughs> oh man! It was you know it was fun to be able to to 
merge two of my favorite pastimes, you know, theme park rides and farting in elevators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, Ben. Well, guess what? I've got a ranking list. I, I would expect nothing less. Hey, man. The, the longer we go, the more ranking lists you have. So it's, it's, you're, you're soon gonna, gonna get to where you feel like you need to do one. Resistance is futile. <laughs> so I'm keeping it simple here. Um, again, I'm as with the, uh, the trying to stay away from spoilers, except for the couple times where we didn't at all. I'm doing, I'm just going to play to the audience that hasn't really dived. Dove. Divin. Divin, definitely Divin. <laughs> Divin into uh, this. Uh, the people who who haven't done a deep dive, how's that for alliteration, into uh, into into the original series, and might think about giving it a chance. Hopefully, after hearing this episode, if they haven't watched the original series, they'll wise up and go give it a shot. Oh yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't get much easier than that. Mm-hmm. And from the very first episode, it's fantastic. I am doing just my top five episodes. Let's see. I'm going to go in no particular order. But speaking of the very first episode, where is everybody? That is episode one. That is the the one that kicked it all off. This episode, you know, preys on psychological fear of loneliness and isolation. It's so interesting. It's just, it's one man, you know, for... for yeah, the majority of the episode. Yes. Um, meat and potatoes of what's going on. Yeah, it's it's a man who's who wakes up in a town without any memory, and there's nobody there. There are signs of life, but there's nobody. Um, next, we have the one we've spoken of, Eye of the Beholder. Yeah. Classic. It dives into the the irony behind the old expression, you know, true or beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, what is beauty? It does a good little little mind fuck there. Um, the next one is the hitchhiker. Oh yeah. Oh man. So this one was so crazy good. It, it plays on fear and paranoia and it's got, you know, a great twist at the end. And as a kid, you know, I mean, it's, it's got this lady, essentially she's driving across the country and And she keeps seeing the same hitchhiker. Exactly. Wherever she stops, he pops up. He doesn't, he doesn't look terrifying. He doesn't look menacing. He's not threatening. There. Yeah. And there's like a little music sting every time. And it, it just, it, it's, it creeped me out so bad when I was a kid, but I loved it. Yeah. And she goes from like, huh, that's weird to what the fuck to this guy's going to kill me. I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> she like progresses. picks up somebody else to try to protect her. And that dude's like, ah, you're crazy. Then the next one is, uh, monsters are due on Maple street. This one is one of those one of those great social commentary episodes. It, it shows the horror of the of like the human condition and how easily uh, people can be whipped into a frenzy and and like turn on each other. Like even just the the suggestion of an alien imposter, you know, will cause everyone to to just turn and and more or less, you know, like start killing each other. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's fair to say that the alien imposter was a stand-in for communism. Yes. <laughs> yep. And then the last one, this has always been one of my favorites too. It, it hit me as a kid. This one isn't isn't creepy. It was one of the rare great episodes where it was just, it was poignant. Um, it was called Walking Distance. This one shows the, uh, you know, kind of the risks of uh, of nostalgia and living in the past. And um, there, there's a man who 
Hey, hey, you're going to alienate our audience. (laughs) (laughs) It's a man who uh, I think he's getting getting some work done on his car and he just sort of strolls or he he realizes he's close to the town he grew up in. And, um, you know, he, he takes a trip down memory lane, let's call it. It's it's touching. So that's my top five. There was an episode that I watched with my girlfriend that had William Shatner in it, and he was he became kind of obsessed with a little tabletop fortune telling machine in a diner. And I loved that one as a kid because that that fortune telling machine just looked really creepy. It had a creepy little bobblehead on it. And it was interesting to me as a kid, but I watched it the other day and I was like, man, this is really boring. Holy crap. Like I can't recommend this episode to people. <laughs> So, because he, he was in that one, and then the the one where you know the thing on the wing. Yeah, yeah. The what is it like terror at twenty thousand feet? Something like that. Where he had like a little something with twenty thousand. A feet little gremlin. On, yeah, that's that's another iconic, oft uh, referenced. Yes. Yeah, Ace Ventura. Episode. Yeah. And then they, they that was one of the ones that they redid for the uh, nineteen eighty three uh, movie yeah. with John with John Lithgow, Lithgow right? Yeah. yeah. That one was fairly terrifying i just read that it, that it was george miller that directed that segment he's the guy who did like like the mad oh, max yeah. movies really yeah interesting and spielberg directed a segment and then john landis directed the one um the one where vic morrow and two children were killed during filming when there was a helicopter accident oh i didn't even know that oh yeah yeah propeller came off and decapitated him Ooh, and killed the kids too yeah that'll uh that'll do it yeah who knows if, uh, you know, if, if when you're watching the movie, you are seeing the actor get decapitated. That's strange. Wait, what? Does he get decapitated in the movie? No, no, no. But I mean. I don't remember that. No, <laughs> remember no. Remember any decapitations? Yeah, no, there, there is a, oh yeah. No, I guess, I guess the helicopter crash was not a part of the movie, so it wouldn't be in the movie. <laughs> uh, they, had the, they had the good taste to, to not put that cut in. Yeah, that, that's using your brain, John. <laughs> oh, boy. I got, I got jelly brain. Yeah, and um, uh, as I, as I know you were trying to go this whole episode without talking about Ray Bradbury, but he <laughs> oh, did yeah. write one episode for the Twilight Zone. I guess actually he wrote a few, but they only produced one of them. Yeah, which one was it? It was I Sing the Body Electric. Yeah, I've uh, read which, that story. Yeah, which he did. A, yeah, he he later on did, a, you know, added to a short story collection um, of that, you know, a whole book of that name with that short story in it. But he, it was originally written for The Twilight Zone. Oh, the story. It, it was the it was the TV show first. Yeah, the TV show predated. Oh, interesting. The uh, the short story. And uh, it, it's a bit of a different Twilight Zone episode because it it doesn't really have a twist ending. It just kind of goes through and uh, ends and it's, it was, it was a pretty good episode, but it was weird because they usually have like a twist ending or, you know, some sort of moral or something at the end. And it just didn't like everything just kind of ended neat. And that was it. I mean, unless the twist ending was, you know, the robotic grandmother's ultimate fate, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah. And I I was kind of bummed when I, when I discovered that, uh, that, that that episode was Ray Bradbury because one thing that attracted me to Ray Bradbury when I, when I first discovered him in, in the illustrated man was that his stories felt like episodes of the twilight zone. Like very often yeah. they, they have an ironic dark ending. Yeah, like the Velt would have been a great twilight zone episode. Absolutely. 100%. And, that, and I think that's the, that's the first story in there besides yeah. like the book ending. Um, 
And when I heard that that was the only one, like it, it, it kind of shocked me and, and bummed me out. I was like, wow, that's, that's the least like Ray Bradbury feeling episode of Twilight Zone on there. Well, it's, it's, it's an also, exaggeration. But yeah, and it's, it's also rather not, it's kind of not Twilight Zone-y. Like at the beginning it is like the, did you go back and rewatch it recently? No, no, no. I read the story recently. I, I was going through the books. The, the part of the show where they go in to like pick the parts for the, uh, for their robotic grandmother is weird and creepy as fuck. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they walk into this room and it's like pitch black and then the light comes on and there's like an old man standing there's like, come, we'll help you pick. You can pick her eyes. And then like a, there's like a weird noise and a light comes on. There's like a table of eyeballs or her hair. And they walks over and there's like another table full of hair her hands <laughs> her ears just pick the ones you want and put them down this chute it's just like whoa this like if i walked into that place i'd be like sorry i'm the fuck out of here you yeah, are yeah. weird i'll go hire a real old lady to be my grandma <laughs> yeah no shit but yeah then they go through and they're arguing about all the bits and pieces and it's uh i mean it's a good episode i liked it but uh it, it was weird because i was expecting the robot grandmother to you know, like some them to add some sort of twist to it or something, some Twilight yeah, something yeah. like go to you know her to end up doing something terrible or something. And uh, nope, no, nope, she just or like finding out that the that the kids were robots too that were yes, created by something. a grandma. But now she just raises them well, and they go off to college. And she's like, "All right, I'm off to be decommissioned. Thanks. <laughs> That's it." You're like, "Whoa, weird." But yeah, I I, I, I was stoked to see that he wrote it, but to kind of disappointed to hear that he didn't write and that they didn't produce anything else. Yeah. 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 One of, one of the other things I really like about the twilight zone is that it is, it, it, it is kind of just a window back into a different time. Um, like there's so many suits and hats and everyone's smoking. Yes. Yeah. Like, lots <laughs> of cigarettes. Yeah, everyone smokes. Everyone's dressed real nice. Like even like, you know, you got like, people working on cars with like ties and shit. I mean, like it's <laughs> like everyone's, everyone's dressed well and talks well and smokes. And uh, I got to say, I was definitely a bit, like, I, I noticed, especially in some of the close up scenes, how freaking great the picture quality is. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the good old black and white film, like it picked up so much detail. Well, yeah. And, and I wonder what it is about, about the transfer or, or what, but like you'll watch TV shows from the eighties that well, they look that, fucking awful. Yeah. They look terrible. Well, I think part of it was because a lot of them were stored on magnetic tape instead of film. Oh, which isn't, which is just, you, you lose a lot of fidelity. I mean, like they only needed enough fidelity to make it look good on an old shitty tube TV. Whereas oh, film yeah, captures yeah. a lot and black and white film is capable of capturing, capturing tons of detail. Whereas like early color film, is a bit blurrier yeah because uh it doesn't it didn't have the and it, it still doesn't have the sharpness and the crispness that uh, black and white does and yeah you're looking at like they have close-up of people's faces and i mean it looks like it's like you know in 4k or something like, i mean you see like pores on their faces and shit and like holy crap this looks beautiful yeah yeah you see the the individual strands of william shatner's not yet thinning hair yeah yeah it's it was uh shockingly Nicely detailed. I, it did leave me kind of wondering what some of it would look like in color though. Yeah. Like in, um, in that, a nice place to visit one where the guy goes to hell, but doesn't know it. And then they give him like this opulent house to live in. And it's got like ridiculous shag carpet. I mean, it, the strands got to be like an inch and a half long and, uh, but it's all in black and white. And you're like, man, I wonder what that looked like. I bet that carpet was like bright green. And I bet those curtains were yellow and 
Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it this, looked like a big mess. Oh, yeah. I bet this play, yeah, it looks really classy in black and white. I bet it looked, you know, by modern standards, absolutely tacky and awful in color. Well, I I guess, is it is it time to close? I, I, I've, I've got a... I've got like one other interesting thing to say. That's it. Okay. I'm about done otherwise. Hey, Ben, do you have any more interesting things to say? <laughs> uh, the only other in- interesting tidbit that I dug up was that apparently uh, originally CBS wanted Orson Welles to narrate. Oh, shit. Like, I, I get it from their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. He's Orson fucking Welles. Yeah. Uh, Rod Serling did not want that because he thought he was a pompous jerk and, uh, probably not far off. Turns out CBS couldn't afford him. He was too expensive. So (laughs) (laughs) just let me do it. And, uh, they did. And it was the right decision. Yeah. Necessity, uh, bread, uh, brilliance. Yeah. yeah, Cause he did a great job. Yeah. Hang up job. Oh, he's fantastic. And he's got such an iconic voice that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to imitate, and I will say that as somebody who tried to do that uh, a couple hours ago and yeah. <laughs> unsuccessfully, <laughs> he, he's got such a, such a classic, you know, standing there in a suit, smoking a cigarette he's and like gravitas. Yeah. Orson Welles, Orson Welles had a great voice, but it, it was more dramatic sounding. It wasn't uh, the kind of cold subdued, almost like newscaster type voice yeah, presenting yeah. the facts. Yeah. Like a, a, a radio broadcaster voice. Yeah, yeah. Although I could only ever think of uh, Maurice LaMarche doing uh, doing his <laughs> voice on from Animaniacs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rosebud, yeah. Rosebud, frozen peas. <laughs> well, you know, I I feel I feel bad. Like I I'm I'm torn here because okay, if I'm going to sit around and talk about the Twilight Zone, I'm going to sit around and talk about the one that I love, which is the original series. But I feel bad that that um that I haven't given more due to what came out of that. But I also don't feel obligated to because I'm just not that into it. Maybe one day we'll do a uh, we'll do a follow up where we can where we can go into the movie and um, the uh, 1985 series, a 2000 series, even uh, Black Mirror, which we didn't really touch on. I've only ever seen oh, yeah. the the first episode of the American Black Mirror. Oh, it was, really? It was all right. I liked the British one where the prime minister fucks a pig and oh, gross. They got like a they had one with like a robot nanny and. Yeah, black. It's totally, you know. I think it encapsulates the spirit of what the Twilight Zone was doing then. For now, but a bit more narrowly focused on, uh, you know, technology's effect. But that's the that's the big thing now. Like it's you know we're not at threat of nuclear war. We're at threat of our brains being turned to mush and social media turning us into animals. Yeah, I I wonder if like the the genius of the Twilight Zone like had to do with the time which it came from like like old sci-fi concepts that have been sort of disproven by modern scientific advancement you know like like life on mars how people just assume that there were martians just living up there or how we'd be exploring deep space by 1998 yeah what a yeah, disappointment like, i i can i feel like i can watch these old episodes through the prism of like 1960s america and i and i feel like i can appreciate them in a similar context you know that I can separate myself from what I know and from what's what's come since. It's like like reading an old sci-fi book. You understand what they were what world they lived in when they were writing it and yeah. it just works. Yeah, the zeitgeist it was spawned from. Yeah. 
like a rocket. Sure. A rocket is just going to launch you to Pluto and you're just going to land there and go exploring. Like never, never mind freezing temperatures, the amount of time it would take to get to Pluto. The, the, radiation, the, yeah. all, all that bullshit. Fuck it. We'll yeah. just go and it'll be awesome. You've got your bubble helmet and your tights and your, your oxygen tank. You just hop out and uh, walk around. Or that, that Bradbury story about, you know, being on Neptune and how it just rains nonstop. Yeah. 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 That, that's what happens on Neptune. A bit of innocence before everyone knew so much about science. Yeah. You can get away with a lot more than you can now. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson trying to crash your party. <laughs> what a dickhead. And a perv from what it sounds like, right? <laughs> Everyone's a perv these days. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd like to watch the Twilight Zone with him. Did did you say that they're they, they were planning on rebooting the Twilight Zone again sometime oh, in yes. the future? Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's been in the works for years now. Like I guess uh, Brian Singer was trying to get it off the ground hmm. in 2012. Speaking of pervs, <laughs> and um, and then I guess uh, what was the guy's name? Like Ken Levine, I want to say. He was the guy who was behind uh, like the first and third Bioshocks. Like he's a video game guy, but he's oh, he's okay, like a yeah. story story uh, yeah. guy and a and a director. Um, I guess he was trying to get one off the ground in 2016. But I heard more recently that um, there are rumblings that Jordan Peele is going to be executive producing oh, a, uh, a new series to come out this year. That's that's what that's what talk is right now. You know, so I guess after hmm. after Get Out, because Get Out was a very I mean, it was it was like an episode of The Twilight Zone. Absolutely, I never saw it. Oh wow! I've heard really good things about it, but I don't I don't watch things very often, so I need to. It is nothing like an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's just a horror movie. <laughs> you should watch it. <laughs> Duly noted. Yeah, no, it was that. It, that's a good flick. I I think I I I suffered from having listened to everybody talk about how great it was for a couple months before I saw it. So. You know, that, that breeds expectations that possibly can't be met, but I enjoyed it and yeah. That's why I wait for years to watch things and then uh, all the buzz has died down. Yeah. And you've, you've forgotten what people said about it anyway. You'd be like, I think people said this movie was good. I guess I'll watch it. Yeah. Well, uh, any other final thoughts from you, Mr. Uh, Robinson, Robinson, <clears throat> Robinson, Mr. Robinson, um, I mean, just, uh, yeah, I know by the time we get to final thoughts, I've already said everything and I need to articulate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a, something, you know, pithy to say at the end of these fucking things. No, I mean, uh, that I like the twilight zone for all the reasons I've already stated. Yes. I didn't hold anything back, unfortunately. <laughs> so, you know, I got lucky in that something I was going to say earlier, uh, and I ended up not using, so it became my final thoughts. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh, the only thing I didn't mention that I liked. Oh, well, let's see if I can steal your thing. That would be awesome. I doubt it because it's not a very good final thought thing. <laughs> uh, but I love the theme song. And I was, I was, I, I didn't remember. And, and, and I thought it was a little weird. Like when I went back to start watching it and I watched season one and the theme song wasn't there, I was like, wait, what's, what, what is this? Yeah. Uh, it still was still super Twilight Zone. And it was a Twilight Zone theme. I'm like, okay, I know, you know, this is the Twilight Zone theme, but this is not the one that I remember. And I guess they didn't get to that one till season two. Yeah, yeah. And each season, the uh, the dialogue, uh, the opening dialogue yeah. changed. Yep. Um, the the one I remember, and you know, my favorite one of all was, was the first season. I've got I've got one of those like 
uh, aluminum signs that has it printed on there that I keep up in my yeah. uh, in my studio. Nice. And I don't know if I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the one from the 80s, but that theme was awful. Oh, you did not mention it. And you <laughs> it was, are right. It was yeah. horrible. I, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch it all, but I started watching one and uh, man, that theme was bad. Yeah. And even not like good. Even all the all the super eighties graphics, like it was boring as shit. Yeah, and, yeah, and just, it was way just too things long. spinning around. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, uh, good try, guys. Maybe next time. Yeah, but you know, let's let's go let's go check that series out. I I think it's worth you know at least a, a three episode chance. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll totally watch some more. Like, like I've 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 got room in my heart for more Twilight Zone. Uh, less r- room on my calendar. But I'll, I'll give it give it a shot. Well, thank you for uh, coming with us, folks, through a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. If you want to let us know how we did, you can email us at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can join us on the newly, surprisingly a little active um, Facebook group, Geeksploration the Podcast. We are on Instagram at Geeksploration Podcast or Twitter at Pod. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate you giving us a five creepy disembodied eyeballs blinking review on <laughs> Apple on Apple Podcasts. It, uh, it would really help. Also, if you like the show, you can subscribe at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You'll get notified when new episodes drop. And uh, that's that's about it, really. And it sounds like it's about it. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. what about our theme song? Our theme song is... Uh, <laughs> I think that's exactly how it happened last time, too. <laughs> our theme song is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Until next time... Where is everybody? Everybody!